0: Welcome to The Prospector Podcast, a bi-weekly production bringing you The Minor Perspective. Welcome back to a new season of The Prospector Podcast. This is Ana Diaz, here to recap some of the top stories uploaded on our website, theprospectordaily.com. In news, reporter Julia Lucero breaks down UTEP's decision to follow Texas executive order despite El Paso County's mask mandate. In entertainment, reporter Elijah Nunez covers UTEP's Playfair, a campus event to help students get familiarized with each other as they enter a new academic year. And in sports, reporter Katrina Villarreal gives us a rundown of upcoming sports events as they transition back to in-person. You can read these stories and more at theprospectordaily.com. UTEP students have returned to campus after more than a year of online learning due to the COVID-19 pandemic. With the Delta variants rapid rise across the country, along with no vaccine being available to children under the age of 12, the prospectors spoke to UTEP students to see how they felt about the start of a new school year.
1: It was weird at first. It's the weird transition coming back again, um, because um, Time management looks a lot different when you're at home than when you're uh, commuting to school. And um, I do have kids, so they also went back to uh, face-to-face learning. So it's it's been a, a weird transition. It's, it's a bit hard, but um, so far it's manageable.
0: That's Carmel Murillo, a sophomore majoring in geology, who said the transition back to in-person learning is not her only concern.
1: I feel... Um, let down by uh by the school but as far as the the i guess honor system we're going by uh, it's uh i feel like this is the school turning their back on um, the efforts that we're making to uh improve the health of the community and going back to a better place.
0: Although Utah president Heather Wilson said masks and vaccination are highly encouraged, it is not mandatory for students and staff.
1: However, we we do have students that don't feel like participating or or having empathy towards one another. Um, My kids are not old enough to be eligible for a vaccine. Yet, um, and this is the best way I can take care of
0: them. Um, Samantha, a senior studying neuroscience, shares Carmel's concerns, saying her first week back to campus was overwhelming. Yeah,
1: I was very scared. There was a lot of people um, and not a lot of people with masks, which is fine, but not really. So it was just scary. Since we are a Hispanic-serving institution, we are a Hispanic-serving community, and Hispanics are known to have more health problems, I think it's kind of a disappointment because we go home to our families and we're only hurting them. So we could
0: have done better. According to data from the Texas Department of State Health Services, 73% of people living in El Paso County are fully vaccinated as of August 31st. The city is ahead of other cities across Texas, with Bexar County, which includes San Antonio, at 61% vaccination rate, and Travis County, home to Austin, at 67%. However, as of August 30th, 1,937 active COVID-19 cases were reported in El Paso.
1: We will be in this situation as long as people refuse to have empathy for one another and as long as people um, refuse to see that they live in a society, therefore they need to be participants and look for the greater good
0: to help students like carmel and samantha the prospector podcast would like to welcome dr Marili pinero melendez a licensed psychologist here at Utep's counseling and psychological services to talk about the best practices one can follow as the world transitions back to in person and,
2: um, one of the things to consider is that a lot of the times well we spend a year and a half back home right and, and with having less contact with other people so being able to, um, something that can be helpful is to be able to ease our way into it and assess how we're feeling in different situations as well. Uh, we're getting a lot more simulation now. We're, we're surrounded by by people where we were not before and uh, visual simulation, audio simulation, it, it can be overwhelming at times. So definitely seeing ourselves into it can, can be helpful. Um, and also finding those spaces that are comfortable for each person to start with? There might be some students that feel more comfortable going to the events that we have on campus. And other for other students, it might be um, attending a, a small group from their classes. So being able to identify which, what what's comfortable for each of them. Um, but definitely something that can be challenging and it can take time. So it's important to recognize, right? How we're feeling in the different situations and um, see that our emotions are are telling us, it's giving us information uh, that maybe we can make some changes or ease our way into those transitions.
0: Right. And so with that being said, this past year uh, with the pandemic and everything that's happened in between, it can be traumatic for Mm -hmm. some students that are still coping with that trauma and are being told we'll come back in person we're kind of going back to normal and then you have other students or people in general who are ready for that next chapter and so how do you do you have any tips as to how people um you know with these two differences can interact with one another and be understanding with one another Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. well one of the things to consider is that it's definitely a new normal right it's not uh exactly how we, as we were before, but there are things that we can start adopting ourselves in order to have that socialization piece or uh, different uh, ways of, of learning as well. And there's definitely students that are eager to go back and have that socialization component. Um, and some students have experienced trouble, like you mentioned, some loss and grief and um, in even the, in the grief in terms of losing someone or grief in terms of losing importance opportunities for that too so one of the things could can, can be empathy right in terms of being able to acknowledge that people have their own timeline in a way um and some of them might might be ready to do things and others might might take more time so having that empathy can help in terms of being able to listen and to understand a bit more what the other person might be, be going from um and also being able to identify resources because of course if, if you experience trauma or if you experience a, a difficult situation you can be the person if you're eager and, and ready to go back to school you can be that person that is linked to the resources that are available as well. So being able to, to listen and um, right show for some empathy and, and being able to try to understand when the other person might be coming from can be very helpful in terms of helping those relationships and helping the transition for everyone
0: at the same time. Right. And there are students enrolled here at UTEP. Um, it's their first time coming back to, um, well, coming to campus. Um, but do you have any recommendations for those students that went from juniors in high school to pandemic to college? It's very overwhelming. And how can they deal with, with, with that feeling?
2: definitely can be overwhelming because it's still a lot of transitions at, at the same time and one of the things is, is acknowledging that it's okay to not always feel okay in that sense um, because that it, we're getting exposed to different things and school is going to be different than college and and you're they're doing this in a very very different different time than other students did um, so one of the recommendations that I would suggest is, it would be that um, as they feel comfortable to start identifying those things that composes as start- college students because I know a lot of the times we, we focus a lot in our, our classes and, and that's great but there's so much that college can bring or can give us to help ease into that transition and that could mean um, joining any groups or jo- joining any uh, social or professional groups that have to do with particular interests or um, identifying resources that they want to volunteer their time in or uh, spending some time in, in activities that we have for them. So being being able to engage as they start feeling more comfortable to the in-person transition in things that that create that university life and,
0: and to start to feel uh, to feel like a college student that way. Of course. And so with that being said with the with the small steps and embracing and what you're comfortable with here in our community we're known for hugs uh kisses on the cheek all that stuff um and so do you have any recommendations uh to not feel to try and you know protect our safety of course but at the same time not feel guilty for feeling rude or awkward in doing those things Mm
2: -hmm. that's that's a very good question because, of course, there, there are cultural components, right, in how we uh, embrace people and how we um, show uh, warmth as well. Um, but one of the things to, to consider is that something that can be helpful is identifying our, our comfort level, right? And even though guilt might be there, there are other things that can be important for us too. So being able, if you feel comfortable, being able to communicate it to the other person might, might be a good idea. If you don't feel comfortable being able to identify, okay, which situations do I feel like I, I can keep that, that distance for myself and, and to feel protected as well. Um, but definitely it's a, it's a tricky situation because of course we would we like to um, go back to, to saying hi to other people that way. Um, but sometimes, right, just by being there or just by uh, being a source of support or listening to another person, you're, you're showing that warmth without having to have that physical contact as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I had a professor uh, last week who said she was moving her classes to from two days to one day a week mm-hmm. um, because she has children at home. Mm-hmm. And so that made me think about the students and professors who have young ones at home. and. Is there a way that they can try and transition back to in-person, trying to take care of themselves, but also trying to explain to a child, you know, we're done with staying at home, we're moving back to in-person? Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's a tough question because it's very loaded, but are there any tips that maybe they can follow?
2: Well, and and, and I guess it, it would depend because um each child can be in a different developmental stage, right? So understanding the pandemic in the first place, but later on in terms of going back to in-person can be challenging to to explain. Um, But in being able to do that, I know that you mentioned that some of your professors were able to um, do more like a hybrid or or have uh, some days that are in-person and some days that are not. uh, Can help in terms of showing that we can transition, right? It doesn't mean that we need to stay home most of the time, but we can do that at a different pace. And definitely that can be something that's helpful for for professors who probably have of course their own stressors as well, but also for students, right, in terms of having that modeling of, well, I'm able to, there's all of the things going on right now on campus, but I'm able to gauge what I feel comfortable with at this time too.
0: And so my final question is, I mean, this pandemic, we learned the importance of mental health and prioritizing that. And some of us are scared to let go of, you know, prioritizing our mental health because now we don't have as much time to do the activities that uh, helped us cope with it or do the hobbies that, you know, um, made us take a break from work and school. And so what is your recommendation to students as they move forward to in person? Um, Might have limited time now that everything is back on campus, uh, but try to prioritize mental health.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely, and mental health can be a priority uh, because even though it might feel that we're going back to in-person, uh, some of the things that we might have experienced, some of those emotions might still be present, right? It's, it's not necessarily, we would like to have a switch to turn it on and off, but it, it usually emotions don't work that way. Uh, so it's okay if there's still some concerns that are present or some emotions that are present. One of the things that I would say is making a plan, right? And, and uh, very often when we think about planning, we focus on school and all the responsibilities and tasks that we have to achieve. Um, but it's sometimes important to make a plan for self-care as well. Self-care is something that's connected to all of the other things that we do, right? And in terms of being able to concentrate in school or being able to manage our emotions in a way that we engage in a healthy way with other students or with people that surround us so being able to add that into our plan it's kind of given it the importance that it deserves um, and we don't start pushing it away when we start getting busy so being able to see that it's connected to everything else that we do and at the same time um, right making making it a priority can be helpful in terms of making that space um, and acknowledging the resources that that you have right a lot of the times we might see that our schedule is full but we need to attend this workshops or we need to um we have um, two hours available in between classes so being able to find our or sometimes it can be helpful to find what things are going on in campus that can help maintain that self-care and uh, be aware of the mental health for example i know that um, if you want to take care of your physical health, we have things, activities in the rec center. Or of our mental health, we have some workshops here at CAPS that, that you can attend. So that way you're separating, you're, you're um, literally separating that time for yourself. And it is important to have that time for yourself to be able to, well, in a way, process stress and inciting all the things that Michael was
0: doing. UTEP welcomes students back to campus with its first ever Texas Western Gold Rush Celebration at Centennial Plaza on Monday, August 23rd. From music, special guests, and fireworks, more than 800 students joined in on the first day of class celebration following the year of online learning due to the COVID-19 pandemic. It's our
1: inaugural event to welcome students back to campus and really motivate them that's offered
0: in UTEP, all the resources,
1: opportunity to do research, study abroad, get involved. So it's a great way just to motivate everyone for a new
0: year. UTEP HOPE's the event will be an annual occurrence to lift student and faculty minor pride following remote celebrations.
1: And I think that we always needed something like this to bring everybody together, especially after COVID and having a platform like this where everyone can come and enjoy themselves is a great idea.
0: Currently, masks and vaccination are not required for UTEP students and employees. According to UTEP President Heather Wilson, over 90% of faculty and staff are fully vaccinated, with 1,794 active COVID-19 cases in El Paso as of August 23rd.
1: No, I'm not worried. Because I'm fully vaccinated, and so I don't, I'm not in fear of getting someone sick or getting sick myself. So I, and I also hope everybody else also can get vaccinated, so we feel more safe coming to campus together and being in a large ca- crowd. Um, so, no, I'm not at all scared. Um, but we still still have precaution and stuff like that till everybody is uh, got the opportunity to be fully vaccinated. Again.
0: Reporting for the Prospector, Ana ideas.
2: This is Daniel Lopez with the Prospector, coming to you with the Sports Edition. The Miners secured a 35-3 victory versus NMSU on Saturday, August 28th. The offense came out firing on all cylinders from the very beginning with Gavin Harrison throwing a bomb to wide receiver to set them up for an eventual touchdown. The Miners' offense put up yards in the first half on offense with a similar plan in the second half. NMSU struggled to get anything going at all in the game. The only time... They had a chance to score was when a player nearly pulled off a touchdown but it was called back. Hardison finished 11 for 16, running for 246 yards and one touchdown. Defensively, there were some yards allowed that the Miners gave up but were able to stop the Aggies from scoring any major points. Overall, the Miners delivered a good game, something fans hoped to carry on to the team's next game against Bethune Cookman Saturday, September 4th at the Sun Bowl Stadium. <laughs>
0: Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of the Prospector Podcast. Join us next time for a non-new, minor perspective.